When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to mini episode 308 of Real Life Ghost Stories. And I have three spooky stories for you today and the last story comes from the 29th of September 2023. And story number one comes from Scott. This is a story that spans my entire life. When I was little we lived in a small house in Columbus, Ohio. When I was very little I was given a stuffed orangutan and I loved him. Until he started moving. I can vividly remember waking up and seeing him moving around my room. In the beginning, he would freeze and fall over Toy Story style. As time progressed, I started waking up to find him standing at the foot of my bed. I would stare at him until I decided to hide under the blanket and hope for the best. This continued a few times a week for years. Then something changed. I started waking up to my bed shaking only to look down and see Ollie shaking my bed while emitting awful, heavy, wet, panting noises. I would scream, which would wake my mother, who would rush in to find me crying and Ollie on the floor. My mother always believed me when I told her what was happening. However, my father did not. I wanted to throw Ollie away, but my father wouldn't let us. He was a deeply religious man who did not believe in the paranormal. After years of waking up to Ollie shaking my bed a few times a week, I asked my grandmother if she would keep him for me. She was more than happy to hold on to him for me and kept him in a chair in the corner of her living room. She had him less than a year before she asked my father to take Ollie back. I later found out that she told my parents that she would see him move out of the corner of her eye or she would walk through the living room and see him in the chair only to come back a short time later and find that he had moved on the couch or in front of the TV. Soon after Ollie came back home with us, he began shaking my bed again. Fast forward to when I was probably 10, and Ollie would still move around and make that awful panting sound, but it seemed that I had gotten too big for him to shake. At some point I had had enough, and took it upon myself to lock Ollie away, I took a small plastic toy chest and put him inside. I then wrapped the chest in duct tape and rope before pushing it to the back of my closet. This only led to me hearing scraping sounds from within my closet a few nights a week. My freshman year of high school I can remember feeling half brave and half foolish while taking Ollie out of his box and proposing a truce. I told him that if he stopped bothering me he could come out. I also assured him that as long as he left me alone, 
I would make sure I kept his physical vessel safe. To my relief, he seems to have accepted my offer of peace, and he's never bothered me since. That's not to say he's not still active. In college, I stored Ollie in a friend's basement. Not too long after this, my friend's security system constantly reported movement in the house, and my friend began seeing a large dog-like creature in his living room in the evening. Even my husband had a run-in with Ollie. Not believing my stories, my husband taunted Ollie. To our horror, upon returning home one afternoon shortly after, Ollie was sitting in the middle of the kitchen, staring at the front door like a parent who had been waiting for their delinquent child to return home from a party. My husband swiftly apologised and hasn't had any issues since. Ollie has been in and out of various storage areas over the past decade or so, and something extremely puzzling to me is that nothing seems to bother him. For two years he was kept in the loft of our barn in a cardboard box, and while mice and other critters chewed on the other things we had stored, Ollie was left untouched. Now Ollie spends his time on a shelf in my garage. Any time I enter the space, I give him a polite wave or a quick, Hey there! I just do my part to keep the relationship friendly and uphold my end of the bargain. I told my mother I was going to submit this story to the podcast, and she thought it was a wonderful idea. Then she confessed that when we lived in that small house in Columbus, Ohio, where this all began, she would hear voices whispering her name at night. And one evening, she was in the bathroom doing what people typically do in bathrooms, when a set of long, dark fingers slid under the door and wrapped themselves around the bottom of the door, before slowly sliding back from where they came from. She said she has never lived anywhere as scary as that house. If you're interested in a visual reference for what Ollie looked like, it is a 1988 Plush Creations Inc. Ollie orangutan. And if you Google that, you'll get images, image results for what Ollie looks like. And you know what? He's quite a cute, inoffensive looking little orangutan. And you know, you, you have some ch- kids toys where you look at them and you think, oh, wow, that's a really, really nice little doll that you've got there. That is definitely not going to haunt my dreams and be in my nightmares forever. No, in this case... Ollie is just a cute, inoffensive little orangutan teddy, which kind of makes this all the more scary. There's sort of a silliness to the beginning of this story, which is really luring you into a false sense of security, right? Because Scott gets this little teddy bear of a of an orangutan and you think, oh, okay, that it starts moving and it's moving around, like falling over and freezing Toy Story style. There's sort of a silliness to it. And it's almost funny until something changed and waking up and seeing Ollie shaking the bed and this horrible wet panting noise. Like what, what, what does that mean? Does that mean there was something, some sort of entity in the house that chose Ollie as its like conduit to scare Scott? Because I can't really imagine an instance where a shop bought general you know mass-produced plush teddy bear would encounter a demon between the shop and its new home in its child's bedroom do you know what I'm saying and your mother's addendum at the end sort of makes me go 
there must have been something in that house that chose this teddy bear as a conduit. So does that mean that whatever was attached to the teddy bear got stuck there and has been stuck there ever since? Or is it choosing to stay there because that is a way in which they can experience the living world differently? And it's sort of only a small addition to the story where you mentioned that, you know, mice and other critters chewed on the things that you stored when Ollie was stored in the barn, but Ollie remained untouched. I know that's only a small detail, but I do think it's very interesting because I think for mice and other, you know, barn dwelling little rodents, the hair of a plush toy like Ollie is perfect for nest building and his insides will be perfect for nest building. I do think that's interesting and weirdly significant that he remained perfectly unharmed. And also the addendum that your mother, you know, provided so helpfully of the dark fingers sliding under the door frame is honestly the most terrifying thing I've heard in quite a while. And aside from entities from the, you know, deep dark abyss having long black fingers, do you know what else has long black fingers? Orangutans. So maybe your house was actually haunted by the ghost of an orangutan. What a great story to kick off 2024. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And story number two comes from Anonymous and they have helpfully included a trigger warning for infant death, but also for ugly toddler crying, which I enjoyed as a trigger warning. In December 1985, in a Los Angeles apartment, Our family was a tribe of five. Or so I thought. I was 18 months old, the youngest at the time. My infant toddler years were a buzz of my older siblings' activities. Justin, the oldest, was patient and playful. Taylor, 12, the designated babysitter, had been secretly running a D&D club from our den. Taylor's effort to be responsible for his juniors while still trying to be a teenager led to many wild adventures. Chase and Joey, five and four, might as well have been twins. They had a habit for many years of acting synchronously to each other, finishing each other's sentences and coordinating with each other. I had a problem separating them for a while to where I would call them Chasey. Chasey took my doll, I'd scream to mom. Which one, Chase or Joey? She'd ask over her pile of laundry or crafting me a new dress. Chasey, 
was the reply, because together as a team they took the doll, and I did not have enough vocabulary for protests. We would, as a group of five, watch Saturday morning cartoons. That would ultimately end in all of us wrestling, either in imitation of WWF or for who could get control of the Atari first. Dungeon and Dragon Thursday was mandatory participation. All of us also shared a bedroom. As an adult, I often look back at all the empty time we had to fill as children, often bored until school age. Justin would play tag during these long hours of nothing to do, but wait for everyone else to get home from school. One day, running around in circles in our bedroom trying to slap his back in the satisfying thud that happens when I tagged Taylor or Chasey. My hand went through his back. I remember giggling because it tingled, like running my hand through cat fur, except cold. I kept chasing him, giggling harder. He passed in front of the window and a beam of light cut right through him. I stopped and stared at him. I was just aware now that something was different about Justin. Justin noticed that I was no longer playing. He walked towards me, stopping in front of the window, as if purposefully showing me this time. Never be afraid of me, please, he said, slightly worried. Was I supposed to be afraid? He was my brother. Why would I be afraid? I don't understand, Justin. You only need to know this. I am here to fill my brotherly duties. I will always be here for you, to protect you. Lastly, don't tell mom, he said pleadingly. This disturbed me. Secrets from mom usually meant someone was doing something bad. Candy theft at the market or people in the apartment mom didn't know about, whatever else my siblings got into. Why not tell mom, I demanded. Mom gets sad when she thinks of me. His face changed a bit and he seemed so sad. Okay, I not tell mom. I had promised. After that, I was more and more aware of Justin's being different. He looked six years old. Almost white blonde hair in a neat 70s bowl cut. Pale blue eyes with a blue collared shirt and brown corduroy overalls. His face and colour looked closer to Taylor than he did Chase, Joey or I. It didn't matter what time of day or night, he would appear often transparent, now that I paid attention. We subconsciously had left space for him. The couch could easily fit all four of us, had an open spot or one of the seating pillows would be left in a good spot, with one or more children choosing to lay their belly down on the floor. No one spoke about Justin. As I got older, tea parties were all the rage. Justin was the only one who would sit with my dolls and stuffies and take tea with me. While dressed in our mother's prom dress, ropes of fake pearls and a floppy gardening hat. With my bare Simon and a gang of homemade dolls as backup, I had decided to start my inquisition. If you're the oldest... Why does Taylor look older than you? 
I asked in my fake English accent while pouring tea for Barbie. I died. Taylor kept growing. You will too. You already look older than me, he said, pushing Simon gently. I don't understand. You're bigger than me, I said in an almost accusing tone, dropping the accent. He was still sitting there, looking six years old. I died as a baby. I can't fulfil my brotherly duties as a baby. This is better for playing. Brotherly duties. Justin was the only one who used this phrase. When Taylor babysat, he didn't call it brotherly duty. When Chasey let me have the TV, it's not out of duty. Annoyed by the shows available, but not duty. What does brotherly duties mean? I asked, carrying on the accent, waving a gloved hand in the air. You know, play with you, be here for you when you need me, protect you, you can tell me anything, I'm your best friend. He said this rather excitedly. But I can't tell mom. No, don't tell mom, you'll make her cry, Justin insisted. His cup of imaginary tea tipped over. At this point, dad came over to ask about the spilled tea. Having conversations as an adult, my father had told me his side of this event. He'd been reading the newspaper nearby. He didn't notice my conversation as toddlers babbled to themselves all the time and he had tuned out. What had caught his attention was from the corner of his eye. He saw the cup rise up an inch and then fall to its side of a round bottom cup. The cup should, by its design, have rolled back onto its bottom. He decided to get a closer look and asked gently, What's going on? I told him I was having a tea party. A tea party, yes. Is everyone having a good time? He looked carefully at my dolls and stuffies, suspicious of them as the story of Annabelle the Haunted Raggedy Ann doll had been public for some time. Justin had disappeared, leaving me to give some creative excuse for my behaviour to my father. So like a brother. My father had said that odd things happened around me all the time at that age. I would have a box of cookies he had placed above the fridge just moments ago. A cup would move or tip over. He described me as a very creepy kid. The kind anyone would dropkick right down the stairs. Once at night, Chase and Joey were asleep in their bunk and I could hear Taylor talking to Justin. He would turn to the wall and I would hear, Hey bro. And then he would start talking about teenager stuff I couldn't understand. One night, I waited for a long pause, hoping the conversation was over. Taylor? I whispered, trying not to wake Chase and Joey. He let out a long sigh. Yes, brat. Who is Justin? Taylor rolled over and faced the ceiling, then calmly and evenly explained. Justin is my older brother, our oldest brother. He passed away a long time ago. A long time ago? This puzzled and annoyed me. A long time ago was a general reference for a lot of things people didn't want to explain. Like, how long ago were the dinosaurs? A long time ago. 
So now my oldest brother and the dinosaur were on the same timeline. Toddler logic for you. Yes, a long time ago, before you were born, before I was born, when he was a baby. A baby? How did he die? Acknowledging that I wasn't going to just go back to sleep, Taylor got up out of bed and walked over to my crib, sitting down next to me on the other side of the bars. It's called SIDS, Sudden Infant Death Syndrome, and it means babies pass away in their sleep. Toddler was trying to explain as carefully as he could. Can I get SIDS? Was he sick? Did it hurt? I asked, getting concerned. Taylor had started to tuck me back in. No, I don't think it hurt him. No, you're safe. He stopped for a moment. I could see a tear running from his face. I said, I see him sometimes. He plays with me. Oh yeah? I used to see him too. Why can't we tell mom? Mom still gets very upset about Justin. He's okay now. Would that make her happy? I asked. It's okay if you don't understand. Taylor often told me this. It meant the end of my questions. If Justin's dead, then what is he? I hugged my bear but refused to give up the conversation. He's a ghost, Taylor said so normally. With a snug tuck, he was finished with the conversation and it was time to sleep. Time went by. A diet of unsolved mysteries, the Twilight Zone and other 80s spooky shows educated me on what a ghost was. Along with this came the realisation that Justin was far from the only ghost in our apartment building. Looking back, I felt like this was what Justin meant by protect you, allowing me to finally understand why I should be afraid of ghosts. Justin's unfinished business on this world was to be my brother, and so be it and it opened the door to more creative fun. Hide and seek had become the new favourite. I'd often hide in the hamper, inside the closet, taking advantage of my small size. His head would pop through the closet door. Found you, he'd say, like a normal excited child. My turn! Taking advantage of his ghostly nature, he often chose to hide under the bed. At first... He'd peep out from under the bed, generally signalling that he was under there, helping me out. As I got older, he had more fun making his head spin or jump scare out of the mattress before I called out, Found you! The day that I let the cat out of the bag, I was four. My father had moved out and I had been moved into my mother's room. I had returned to my room for a toy and found mom crying on the edge of her bed looking at a Bible. What's the matter? I asked. She helped me up to sit next to her and she opened a Bible. This is our family tree where all the births and deaths of our family are recorded. She paused for a moment, tears in her eyes, voice shaking. Today is your brother Justin's birthday, pointing to his entry in the Bible. She then explained that he passed away suddenly. Mom pulled out a small photo of Justin A blonde, blue-eyed baby, looking nothing like the Justin I knew. However, his outfit was a tiny brown corduroy overalls with a blue-collared shirt. I looked up and the pain and the grief on her face was more than I could handle as a small child. I was so sure that if she just knew, 
If she only knew that he was on the other side, safe now, it would make her feel better. Like the people on TV hearing about loved ones crossing over. I quickly weighed my choices. Would Justin be mad at me if I told mom? Would he ever come back? What if Justin was wrong? As if Justin would pop up and make me stop or to say it so fast he wouldn't notice, I broke my promise. He wasn't around now. He's a ghost. Like God, isn't he always around? I made my choice and decided to say it quickly. Mom, Justin is alright. He made it over to the other side and he's happy now. I spit it all out in a rush jumble of words. They had an instant effect on my mother. She turned cold, her face hard. The tears stopped. I don't appreciate your stories. Please leave me alone now, she said sternly. But out! Now, she backed at me. Sliding off the bed, I started out of the room, wishing I hadn't said anything. Close the door! She snapped back at me. Closing the door, I could hear her sobbing continue. I turned to Justin standing in the hallway. He looked disappointed with a dash of I told you so. He didn't disappear on me. However, our relationship changed like he couldn't trust me. Soon school age came. I'd come home crying about kids being mean. He'd give me a cold, tingly hug. We had a system for hugs. I'd squeeze a pillow roughly around his middle so it would feel more real. He would listen to many childhood injustices. I didn't deserve that spanking. Chase took the last popsicle. Life isn't fair. Sometime at the age of seven, Justin seemed anxious. He fidgeted, which was something he didn't do. I have to tell you something. Looking up from Where's Waldo, I asked him what was up. I have to go away soon, he said. Not too soon, like tomorrow or anything. But soon I won't be able to come back. I sat up concerned. I thought you were here for brotherly duties. Why are you going away? I had just assumed that he would always be there. As unfinished business goes, when does one stop being a brother? The idea that he would just be gone was alarming. I didn't know what my face looked like as I silently tried to figure out what he meant. He sounded panicked when he said that. It, it won't be for a while now, but I need you to know, okay? Even when I'm gone, I will still be here, you can still talk to me. This conversation marked the beginning of a lot of changes. Mom had a family friend who came around a lot. She had also disappeared for a while with little explanation of where and how long she'd be gone. Nothing in our apartment was right during this time. Father had moved back into the apartment, sleeping arrangements were moved, the other ghosts were super active, I was given my first embarrassing haircut that was a mullet, saying it was more manageable for my father to take care of. This had me crying hysterically into Justin's lap. Justin was not visiting as much as he used to. Mom's family friend had come to give our father a break from parenting and brought us over to his apartment to use the pool for the weekend. While changing into my bathing suit, Justin popped out of the wall and in a rare moment he scared me. He almost never showed up outside of our home. I came to say goodbye. It's time I have to go. 
He sounded like he was in a hurry. Wait, Justin, now? Right now? I was panicking. My heart raced and I wasn't even sure why. Yes, I'm sorry. Remember, you can always talk to me. I'll hear you. And then he was gone. Just gone. No light. Nothing dramatic. As if someone turned off the TV. Gone. I let out a little scream. I didn't know how to react or how to feel. It was like he just died. I know he's been dead, but never see him again. I sat down on the lid of the toilet, sobbing, confused, trying to calm myself down. Taylor came bursting in, thinking I'd lost a tooth again. Looking around, not seeing blood or any reason for his seven-year-old sister to be bawling her eyes out in the bathroom. What's wrong? He shouted over my crying. I clamped my mouth closed, trying to make myself stop shaking my head. No, I won't tell again, just come back. Taylor, gently more concerned, tried to get me to breathe and then talk. I tried saying it was nothing, but he wouldn't leave me alone until I told him. Justin is gone. He's not coming back. I whispered, Is it strange? I feel like he just died, but he died so long ago. Who do I talk to about this? Excuse me, my brother, who died before I was even born. Just, just, taking me by the shoulders, looking me dead in the eyes. Taylor's eyes were exactly like Justin's. Listen to me, okay? His voice was firm. Chase and Joey never saw Justin, not like you and I did. I think they were aware of him, but they have each other. They were each other's best friend growing up and didn't need Justin. He paused for a while, reflecting back on his own youth with Justin. Justin was all I had until I was your age. Then mom got with your dad. Chase came along and Justin said goodbye, similar to how he just poofed on you. He grabbed a hand towel to wipe my face. I can feel him just on the other side and I know in my heart he hears me when I talk to him. You can talk to him now too. That's what I did. The grief inexplicably hung in there for a while. Shortly after, my mom returned from her six-month mystery trip. Seven months pregnant. Surprise! Restricted to bed rest, she had been ill the rest of her pregnancy. Benjamin rounded out the tribe of six children. Sorry, five children. I wondered if Justin's leaving had anything to do with our mother's secret pregnancy. Taylor had said Justin left when Chase came along. Time for him to be the big brother now. Now it was time for me to play big sister. Time for him to go. Was Justin's soul in little Ben's body? Was that why he just puffed? Fast forward 15 years later, on October the 15th, 2007. All of us living children are standing outside a home we had been a family in for the last 13 years. The move had taken three weeks. Everyone coming home to help and lots of spirit activity during the packing. The house was finally empty and we started sharing stories. Happy family stories, which moved into ghost stories, mostly about the old lady who used to own the place. Ben chimed in, shy and unsure. I don't know about an old lady. He kicked a rock looking at the floor, the pressure of all four older siblings staring at him. But that little boy was my best friend. My blood went cold. 
little boy, what did he look like? I asked, trying not to contaminate his memory or opinion. Ben looked annoyed. You know, I know you've seen him. You must have. In a huff. He looked like me. Blonde hair, blue eyes, overalls. We played with Legos and made castles in my sandbox. Ben finished, now satisfied with contributing to the family story time. Taylor gave me a knowing look, winked and smiled. Chase and Joey looked at Ben with the identical confusion. Yep, he's weird expressions. Overalls. Ben did look like Taylor and Justin when he was little. Looking back to Ben playing over the years, he easily could have been playing with Justin, Justin hiding, knowing I wasn't trustworthy of the secret. He never showed himself to Taylor when I was the little sibling. I never stopped thinking of Justin as being alive, tangible. I had a brother who was alive for however long. Does it matter that I never knew him during his life? When asked how many brothers and sisters I have, I say five brothers automatically. I have five. And I will always have five. Anonymous, this story was a joy to read from start to finish. I was there with you every step of the way, as I hope listeners were there with you every step of the way too. I think it's so beautiful that throughout your young childhood, you had this brother who was there to protect you and play with you and look out for you and be there as your confidant, your shoulder to cry on, all of those things. And it's difficult to know what to say about these stories without repeating myself because they come up on the podcast all the time. How many times have we heard stories about children who seem to have a relationship with a family member who has passed away or seem to have intimate knowledge of a family member who has passed away before they were even born? And these stories are so beautiful, but they're also so prevalent. And that in itself is incredibly compelling that these stories are so common. And, you know, just to say... SIDS, Sudden Infant Death Syndrome and indeed Sudden Adult Death Syndrome are awful, gut-wrenching, heart-wrenching, brutal, horrible things for families to experience. It's just horrendous. And I would love to know if now, kind of as adults, if you have revisited the conversation about Justin with your mother. Obviously, her grief was raw and terrible and difficult and heartbreaking for her and I can totally understand her sort of at that time not wanting to hear your stories of Justin and I'm I'm sure there's myriad reasons why she wouldn't want to have heard those stories and I wonder if now if you're able to have even tentative conversations with her about the Justin that you and Taylor and obviously Ben towards the end knew Or is it still just something that she isn't able to engage with? Which, no, I would totally understand if she wasn't able to engage with it. I liked mid-story that your father also witnessed just strange little inexplicable things like the teacup in your tea party rising and falling over. Because it just adds that little touch of, oh, you really were a creepy kid. Oh, something really was happening something strange was happening around you and obviously the adults in your life realized something strange was happening around you but didn't know that it was Justin what a beautiful story and story number three comes from Phil 
there's a little bit of context to this story that I need to tell you before we start. So Phil is an author and he's written a book called Letting Glow and it is relevant to the podcast and I'm sure there are many listeners listening who will be interested in this book. But Phil contacted me all the way back in August and was like, I hate doing this, but my publisher says that I need to. I need to push this book a little bit more. And Phil, I completely understand those feelings of, oh, self-promotion always feels really grim and horrible. And I understand when you're publishing a book, you need to promote, promote, promote. So so please just know that that icky feeling that you had about self-promotion was at least not in vain because here we are. So let's crack into this story and then you can see why the book is relevant for Real Life Ghost Stories listeners. Letting Glow begins on a night in January 2021. I called my mum as I did every night after not seeing her for a couple of months due to COVID restrictions. At 76 years old, she'd been isolating for the better part of a year. On this particular night when she answered the FaceTime call, there was a man standing beside her which took me by surprise since she lived alone and we were in the thick of yet another lockdown. Who's that? I asked immediately. Who's what? She replied. Well, this threw me off completely. The man, I replied. He had since gone out of shot when she moved to go and sit down, but I had seen him, plain as day, thinning grey hair, glasses, a gaunt face, perhaps in his late sixties. No one's been here all day, she went on, and started telling me about her day. I wasn't convinced, and questioned her further on it, but the longer we talked, the more I began to doubt what I had seen, and by the end of the conversation I decided that I must have been mistaken. She passed away unexpectedly the next morning and the experience from the night before made me reevaluate everything. Everything. Over the following months I started thinking back on other unexplained events that I'd easily dismissed. Paranormal events when I was a kid that I had later put down to my imagination. An astral projection experience as a teenager waking up to what felt like a download of information one morning through my crown chakra I hadn't known what a crown chakra was at the time, and most profoundly, a misdiagnosis of psychosis from two different doctors in my 30s while I was travelling the world, later to be recognised as a spiritual awakening by a therapist who taught me about things called the shamanic sickness, generational trauma, mysticism and meditation. Letting Glow documents all of this and my journey into mediumship, and contains many meditations on connecting with our authentic selves, our guides, and living in the eternal moment of now. Since its release a couple of months ago, I've been talking at spiritual festivals around the UK, guesting on something like 40-plus podcasts and radio shows such as Coast to Coast AM, The Unexplained with Howard Hughes, Sense of Soul, and Reps Paranormal. It's all been a learning curve and a wild journey. My life has taken a completely different turn. I've been working steadily as an actor for the last few years, running bars and clubs before that, but my full attention has shifted to getting the messages out there from what is turning into a series of channeled books. The second is going to be released in January. I've since gone on to train with indigenous shamans, some of the world's best mediums, and developed a meditation practice that I share with others online and in face-to-face workshops. I'm not yet a practicing medium and I'm certainly no guru, 
but my hopes are that readers experiencing an awakening or who have an interest in exploring the esoteric or developing as mediums can take the journey with me. I'm a fan of the podcast and love the deep dive taken with all the stories you cover, and this is really what resonates with me and what I want to get across about the book. It's about taking note of those moments of intuition or so-called gut feelings or not quite putting our fingers on something. Everyone has the ability to connect with the spirit world. That's the message I want people to get from the books and from the interviews. So obviously I do these stories chronologically and emails chronologically as they come in. So I do apologise that this came in in August and you know obviously the, the, the big kind of flurry around promotion is always around the time of release. However... There is another book coming out in January, so I thought it would be useful to highlight this story and obviously the contents of the book to listeners because I'm sure there's lots of listeners who are thinking, I don't know if I'm on the edge of some spiritual awakening or I feel like I might have some connection to the other side and I just don't know how to explore it or where to go or what to do. So I feel like this could be really useful. So you can find Phil on Instagram at Phil, P-H-I-L-L, Webster, W-E-B-S-T-E-R, all one word, and at philwebster.com. So I hope that somebody listening hears this and is like, that sounds like it's right up my street. The book is called Letting Glow and obviously there's a new book out in January and if it sounds like it's useful to you, please do go and seek Phil out and seek out that book. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you to Scott, Anonymous and Phil for sending in your stories. Remember, the last story came from the 29th of September 2023. And if you would like to send in your story, you can do so by emailing it to reallifeghoststoriespodcast.gmail.com. You can also check out the website reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And if you are desperate for some extra content, you can subscribe to the Patreon. That is patreon.com forward slash stories, where for $5 a month or $2 a month, you get access to heaps of extra content, as well as every single main and mini episode completely ad-free. And on that note, I shall see you next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.